I don't have a yeah we we don't have a set program or anything like that yet we're still playing around mm-hmm. with the format I assume that 10 more episodes or so will be recorded before anything totally. comes out of the ether as <laughs> something we're definitely doing I just know that there's a subject Mm-hmm. And we're here to steel man the subject to give it the most charitable treatment that we can. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like fun to me. It's I've had this handle on Twitter for a while and I it started out as a bit for sure. Like I, I definitely am not a true believer of flat earth theories, but the more that I've had this handle, the more sympathetic I've become, especially Sometimes I'm just doing my thing and people will come into my mentions and start bullying me because they think I actually believe that the earth is flat. Like it's utterly unrelated to whatever the topic is, which is really interesting. Like there's, I can see how those sorts of experiences would create this dynamic of defensiveness around it. But I actually hadn't done a whole ton of research on the topic until you reached out to me. And there's a surprising breadth of different beliefs and like conflicting theories about how and why the earth is flat and really interesting so far. Yeah, I'm actually curious about that because I I haven't done a lot of research on the subject either. I think I I have a general idea for why the the earth is flat. It does appear flat to me Mm -hmm. because I'm sitting on it at the moment Mm -hmm. and i'm not i I don't perceive a curve in my immediate space but i'm guessing that the reasons you found are are a little more complex than that uh that's the interesting thing so i think there is a lot more complexity to it but I, i i think the ultimate argument that most subscribers to flat earth theory would really come down to there's i think in the modern iteration of flat earth theories there are the biblical literalists and um like the true empiricists so historically i think in the 18th century there was a resurgence of flat earth theory and it was really grounded in um the uh second great awakening and biblical literalism but in the 20th century, there was this this uh, growth in of more empirical theories around flat Earth theory, uh, which kind of does become a sort of solipsistic argument. Um, but there's an element of truth to it. I think it's it's really interesting. There's a, a useful distinction between empirical thought and scientific thought, especially. Like in COVID, I think we've really seen that play out. Like the scientific, the consensus nature of science um, has been really laid bare. Uh, And I think like the flat earth theory is really where you can see precursors of this kind of thing happening. Um, At the end of the day, like most most proponents of flat earth theory will, will just tell you to do your own research as opposed to trusting anything, which is a really like it's it's anti-authoritarian in a sense but it is also like there's a healthy amount of skepticism to be had around anything you're told 
Yeah, so I know that personally at this moment, I'm pretty sure that I take the belief that the the world is, that this planet is a planet and that it is somewhat spheroid as a series of tokens of faith, mm-hmm. like people who I would consider high status in my life or who seem to be right about other things tell me that this is the case and so I believe them because I'm too lazy to check it out myself. I think maybe when I was much younger like, and I was busy questioning everything more personally, I went down some some lane mm-hmm. of trying to figure out, okay, so what what would I actually need physically to do um, as well as equipment to figure out something like this? And it seemed like at the time I like I didn't want to take up astronomy or or right. learn physics uh, enough to start doing my own experiments. And so due to that, I said, fuck it. I'm just going to believe you because it doesn't really get in the way of any of my other beliefs at the moment. Yeah, exactly. It, it does come down to a certain amount of faith around what you're being told. And I, I, I think when you're talking about whether about like the earth being flat, it's, 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 it's not really a question of it's a question. Yeah. It really is coming down to like reconsidering w- who and how you're trusting these things, which sounds a little conspiratorial, but I, I think a lot of people who have come to these conclusions, they they have just different uh, epistemological grounds. Like they really are more grounded in empiric in like an empirical sense of trusting their own senses as as opposed to trusting what other people might say and. I mean, obviously you've seen, you you probably know about the plethora of like research being done about flat earth theory. There is still like consensus being built, but it's all, it's all a bit more explicit about the way in which those consensuses are being made. It's all kind of laid bare instead of being handwoven away. Like when, when flat earthers talk about like their theories about gravity or how gravity works most people who aren't who don't subscribe to the same theories will not take seriously what they're saying they'll just wave it away and say well obviously gravity works i have i understand it and i know how it, i've been told about all about it but it's one of those things that like it, ha- it because it's not directly observable uh it doesn't really work in this more empirical mode of thinking and i'm definitely sympathetic to that because it's 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 something i often fall back on when i need some sort of grounding when i'm trying to process something as useful to me or not is i come back to like a almost childlike empirical stance Mm -hmm. where how does this relate to my body right here right now and when, when i go when i take such a stance which is pretty often actually <laughs> you know the, the moment i do that the, the future becomes uh the last episode we, we recorded was time is not real mm-hmm. and the future in that sense becomes 
clearly some sort of fantasy that I'm just mm-hmm. making up in my head. So for a non-flat earth, it seems to me that I'm I'm taking many things completely on faith in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't I don't understand really how how satellites work enough to put one out there mm-hmm. at the moment. I guess I know a thing or two about digital photo manipulation. And I could examine mm-hmm. the photos of the Earth from mm-hmm. orbit in this way. But even if I did that, and even if that comes across as accurate, mm-hmm. I'm also not wholly convinced. In fact, it is one of my assumptions that our perceptions don't have to align with things outside of humans. <laughs> right. Totally. And even with photography, I think one of the interesting things is the assumption that photographs are like this purely objective medium through which we view the world. And as opposed to, you know, a painting or something, which which is an abstraction, and it's obviously like in some sense allegorical. But a photograph isn't the thing that it's, it is a symbol of something else. Um, It isn't the thing. When you're looking at a photograph, you're trusting that that photograph is what it is, is saying something that is true. And I think especially now with digital photo manipulation, I think it was much different like in the 70s. Like that, that assumption doesn't hold like it used to. One must be a lot more skeptical about images that they, are, they see. And that's another thing that I, I, I think found really interesting as I was reading a media theorist, Willem Flusser. He, he has a, an essay on uh, towards a philosophy of photography, which touches on this really specifically. Um, I think flat earthers are really acutely aware of the interplay of objective photography, scientific photography, and the ways in which they impact culture and politics and all of these other things. He has this notion of apparatuses as opposed to tools, which like in, in uh, pre-industrial tools, like a, a blacksmith's hammer, you know, like it takes something physical and turns it into something else, something useful. Whereas apparatuses take symbols and turn them into information. A camera in that sense is an apparatus, like the news is an apparatus and so on and so forth. These apparatuses work as a black box to us. Like, I don't know how a camera works. I just trust that it works. Uh, I don't know how the news gets propagated. I just know that it does. And they're all interacting with each other in these ways that I don't think we truly understand. We have some sense of how they work, but we don't really get it. It is They are black boxes to us. And I think I don't want to call flat earthers fringe because I think that's we're we're trying to steal man here, right? Um, but th- that skepticism of how information propagates is totally warranted. I think. Yeah, when I think about just everyday conversation, and when someone is trying to argue in favor of something, or most often they're just making a blanket statement. Uh, about the nature of the world and reality without it seeming like uh, a statement about the nature of the world and reality, like something like this is good for you, right? This mm-hmm. this tea I'm giving you is good for you. Well, 
that there's so much hidden in that statement that you're just taking for granted. Not that the T in this case would be bad or anything like that, but the, the moment I'm making a statement like that, I'm making a statement about what is useful for the entity that is mm-hmm. you and to to know enough to make that statement relies on a lot of trust and faith i think people make statements like these every day and they equate things like a theory of gravity or uh, some other apparently wholly accepted belief and they're saying that this other thing that i'm saying to you that the t is good is as true as the theory of gravity but Mm -hmm. personally they've probably not checked either and maybe have no means to, to check either. So when they're making a statement like that, it is coming from some sort of faith, but that same person might then go and attack someone else for believing something based on faith. Yeah, exactly. I, there's yeah there's just so much faith involved in our everyday actions that we really do take for granted especially when it comes to science there's a belief that it's like it's a, there's object there's a desire for objectivity there and we i think assume that the ideal state has occurred like science is supposed to be objective so it is objective and we forget the distinction between those two things yeah i'm o- i'm often a little flabbergasted sometimes, and maybe this is because of the kind of questions I was focused on for some years, where people will make a statement about how this is good science, or that's not a very scientific thing to do, or um, this isn't backed by science, as if there is some sort of ground there, when there is no, as if everything else is groundless, but in this one domain, this practice or this source of information is somehow more grounded mm-hmm. though a quick i think look at the underpinnings of science or if you look at any philosopher of science i think it would be hard to find someone and, and the same goes for the, the roots of statistics as well that wouldn't agree that there's similar groundlessness at the roots And I would expect that kind of groundlessness to be everywhere. So it makes sense to me to to have a portion of the population that's constantly suspicious about people asserting very strong grounds without having any personal experience of it themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where flat earth proponents, like they do explicitly encourage these, these, values of doing your own research and actually searching for yourself. Like one of the quotes from the, I don't know if he is currently the president, but he was the the president in 2010 of uh, the Flat Earth Society. He talks about exactly this, like, look at what special effects are capable of. You can produce any photograph, any video. I don't think there's solid proof. I'm not intentionally being stubborn about it, but I feel our senses tell us these things. And it would take an, an extraordinary extraordinary level of confidence to counteract those how many people have actually investigated it have you like they're they are they are interested in the truth they're not lying to themselves about these things they're doing their own research they're trying to 
find the truth for themselves. And I feel like the outcry or the reaction of people to do what you said you've you've started experiencing, even though you you have the what is your username or display name? Uh, my display name is Flat Earth Enthusiast, and the like at handle is Logic Denier, Logic underscore Denier. Yeah, so you, so you have this bit, right? Yeah, it's a bit. <laughs> and, but people still react strongly to that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most reactions against flat earthers are this kind of reaction, where it's more about some sort of policing of who is allowed to come up with correct and incorrect information, rather than anything about truth, which is, again why I would come back to this idea that maybe we as humans aren't actually like wired for truth (laughs) because it's not necessarily always going to be great for survival. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know if there's any evidence (laughs) that I've seen (laughs) that, that having some sort of total outside view is, is first of all possible. And then secondly, that if it were possible, that that would be more beneficial for survival than whatever perceptive like display, like whatever we perceive, like that system, I would assume is already well tuned to have us survive, to have us live in the way that we do. Right. Yeah. No, we like our most of our perceptions rely on some form of heuristic about the world around us, like what we perceive around us is i mean it's it is our reality but it is not reality itself in the sense that we're we're tuned to survive we're not tuned to see the world for what it is if we were we would we would not have made it that we wouldn't have made it this far and you're totally right there is a real emotive quality to the kind of reactions that you see it's a it's about defending the scientific authority i think from skeptics that like flat earth people i definitely think like there's something to be said for a certain amount of deception when it comes to perception what what so just normally when when we perceive things that there would be some sort of deception going on yeah uh i think one example so i i'm sure you've seen like those optical illusions where you place a checkerboard grid and there's like a, an object casting a shadow, right? Yep. Like you have this thing that is saying like, oh, are these two colors different? Um, like, what do you really care about as a, as a person? Do you care that these pixels are the exact same hex, hexadecimal value? Or do you care that these look different? And those are two different questions. And I don't, I think it really depends on the context about which one you're asking. And that's one of those things where like our perception does lie to us, lie to us in some sense. Um, but it's all, it's still telling a truth. Uh, right. The context, the context of the shadow is what really matters to us, not the exact color that we're looking at. Right. Uh, I sometimes have this joke, I guess that I do where like, you know, objectivity is for objects. <laughs> like there's a, I don't know if a chair has some sort of self-reflection in it, but (laughs) if it did, I assume it has very little to do with what I'm interested in 
as a human organism. And so the point of trying to get that that view or that standard that you could generalize, I guess, across a as wide a variety of intelligences as possible is still only happening because it's useful to some smaller group of humans to have to use that as a standard instead of the other methods that we use to come up with standards. Because I guess it's just like, uh, you know, the kilograms and grams and, and the standardized measurement in general, where we could pick all these other methods to measure things. Mm -hmm. And it's merely a question of which one is useful for us to continue doing whatever we're doing. So in that case, maybe it's some sort of engineering project with the French nation coming of age. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still kind of reacting to that. But mm -hmm. you would come up with different measurements if you had a different purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah. We do. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of different purposes for weights and measurements. What's really interesting about kilograms is that they sometimes get retired. Like we'll just retire these units of measurement and introduce new kilograms, which is just so interesting to me. Like it is the kilogram is a thing in the world somewhere. We have the perfect, the platonic kilogram. Sometimes we just decide that's not right anymore. So uh -huh. what really is a kilogram? Right. And I guess, I guess that comes down to it's what we say it is. Um, <laughs> so when someone is asserting something for science, they're saying who gets to say what about what something is, which, if I may use the word objectively, doesn't seem true, <laughs> since people can sort of believe and perceive uh, a wider variety of things. Mm -hmm. Right. But that, that consensus making, that like the way in which we do science, building this consensus and agreeing on what a kilogram is, there's a lot of value in, for solving all of these these big problems that are larger than an individual or small group scale. But again, to, to bring it back to flat earth theory, like what they're really encouraging is that everybody's an amateur scientist, right? Like we can all do this research. We can all go look for ourselves and figure out what reality is to us. There's, you can use all of this science to, as a, as a jumping off point and you can use it to inform your experiments, but there's nothing really stopping you from going and looking for yourself and determining for yourself what truth is, what the truth of the, the globe that we sit on is. Yeah, and that's really beautiful to me in the same way that, you know, the, the Enochian language, I don't know what alchemist or uh, natural philosopher or some guy in some dingy place somewhere came up with that language and <laughs> filled an entire tome. Mm -hmm. uh, but whatever that person was doing, they were following their own perceptions. They were constructing their own reality there. And it doesn't quite really matter that the rest of us maybe don't have as much of a use for it, except that, hey, it's pretty. Um, but maybe that's that's part of it, that you get unique variation out of people being able to, to find their own th truths in these ways. Mm -hmm. I think like, I think to me, that example is, it's so beautiful because it's useless to the rest of us, right? Like this is, 
this is a perfect thing for exactly one person and they made it and it doesn't really matter to the rest of us that it exists is enough, which is just so, so cool. Uh, have you ever heard of Temple OS? Yeah, I love Temple OS. It, I, it, one of these days I'm going to install it on a computer. I really want to. So, so that cool. that idea that there's this guy who just comes up with an operating system that works for him has been inspiring me for years where it's there's no there's no need to simply roll everyone else's stuff up if it you know i'm thinking about the learning the many learning curves i've had with various technologies and languages mm -hmm. and things like that and in school you know you're you're put in this seemingly alien environment and you have to learn these alien systems and thinking about like when i was a child and i would come up with the correct answer in arithmetics but it wouldn't be the the method of work would not be the method of work that the teacher wanted and so it'd be marked mostly wrong i have a very specific memory of like having a, a school assignment in like kindergarten or something and like i knew it was right and the teacher came up to me and asked me to explain why I did what I did. And I had no explanation. I just understood it the way I did. And I didn't get any points for it. Like it was wrong. And that to me is, uh, it's, it's almost like this constant weight that we're carrying. And it's so freeing and lightening to see people like the guy who did Temple OS, who are just like, okay, I'm just going to roll my own thing up. Mm -hmm. And it may not appear consistent to someone who's used to an Apple OS or uh, Windows or something like that, but it's self-consistent within itself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like each belief system, each person's individual belief system is like this in a way where there's nothing actually contradictory. It only appears contradictory when it's being compared to some sort of external standard. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm feeling like maybe with Flat Earth, there's something here too, because like I, I'm, try, I'm sitting here trying to like come up with a proper formal argument for Flat Earth. But then I'm also like, yeah, the Earth is like when I think about it from a child's point of view, from my point of view, just sitting here, the Earth is for my practical purposes currently flat. Right, exactly. If you are if you are really like you're grounded in your senses, like that is the truth that you start with and you're not actually grounding yourself in scientific theory at all. Like if you reassess the assumptions that we're making, it's really intuitive to say, yeah, the earth is flat. Like, why would it be round? That's weird, dude. And I'm thinking about um, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, one of the biggest innovators and maybe he doesn't innovate things himself, but he does provide a space that's sort of outside of the, the normal um, jiu-jitsu lineage. And mm -hmm. that's like the 10th planet program. And you can sort of see them and compare them to the other jiu-jitsu people, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The more traditional jiu-jitsu people all wear like white geese and, and they tend to be, you know, look like military people and whatnot. But, but these guys, they look like they're all straight out of Portland. You know, they're full of full of uh, tats and, and mm -hmm. piercings and whatnot. And the, um, they don't wear geese. They wear like skin tight stuff. Uh, and they mm -hmm. come up with all sorts of these like really, really weird yoga like positions that other people don't use. Mm -hmm. But the the head of this guy of this, this place um, is a guy named Eddie Bravo. 
and he's a flat earther mm-hmm. and when people think uh, talk about like oh this belief is necessary this belief is unnecessary or like i want i want like this person is correct except they're really like stupid elsewhere and you know, and people will look at a guy like eddie bravo and be like wow how are you such a, a genius on the mat but then like you're a complete idiot in your like private life by believing in flat earth and voting trump whatever but i actually like i don't think you can separate those things the the same thing i think that gets him to be like i actually don't know if the <laughs> earth is round or whatever i'm going to loudly pro- proclaim it's flat mm-hmm. it's probably the same thing that makes him go i actually don't know if this is the best way to break someone's arm i'm going to see if i can come up with my own way right and he's definitely rotating shapes hard on the ground. <laughs> so he knows a thing or two <laughs> about what's flat and what's not <laughs> in his body. Yeah, that's really interesting. There is, and I don't know the numbers on this, so don't, please don't quote me anybody, but like there does seem to be a real correlation between like professional athletes and flat earth theory. And I wonder if it's, it has something to do with the sort of sensory experience of playing sports on the regular, like you're really more grounded in your perceptions than I think somebody who's constantly reading and like in their head, quite literally, like you have to be more prescient about your senses. I've always sort of thought of, of reading and then later the internet as, as all like forms of astral projection <laughs> where you're like really like, disembodying yourself to to spread it all over the the world and you can't exactly get away with that in an athletic context as much Mm -hmm. you kind of have to know exactly where your toe each of your toes are like Mm -hmm. uh and if you don't that's like the difference between winning and losing Mm -hmm. and i feel like there's a certain sort of self-trust that comes with that as well, where you you have to know this one thing really well, and that, even if that one thing is your body, and so you might as well trust it in that sense. And it's also, you know, especially in jujitsu where you are kind of rolling all over the place, mm-hmm. um, it is very useful to know where the ground is at all times uh, because manipulating that relationship between you and and the ground and the other person in the ground is is, mm-hmm. is the difference between um, you choking them or them choking you. <laughs> right. So, so I feel like in that context, it kind of makes sense to be like a, a flat earth maximalist. Like the ground is the source of power. It's always there. Right. Um, you're not like, you know, going into the sea much at all, <laughs> I guess, un- unless you unless you're a surfer or something. I'd be curious to see about surfers, actually, who are flat earthers. But that would be interesting, because I think most most like experiments that you can easily do to prove or disprove is like, they're all based on coastlines, right? Like you watch yeah. a boat go over. Yep. Um, or maybe you don't, depending on what you think is going on. I don't know. Right. I mean, that when I, when I look at my own experience, that's that's where I go to. Is, is the sea to, mm-hmm. to look for evidence of a non-flat earth. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the only, the, the clear memories I've had where it's like, okay, there's a curve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, exactly. I think maybe one of the few other places where you could get away with something like that is like the Great Plains, mm -hmm. where it's flat enough there, I guess, too. Um, but you don't get the same scale of like giant ships going over the plains, but that would be pretty cool if you did. Right. Um, <laughs> Though even then, I mean, like, you know, just looking looking down a straight highway in the summer and that mm -hmm. mirage is there. I don't actually know what's going on there. And and even in an athletic context, right? You say say it's just shooting, athletic shooting. You shoot at a target, and if the target misses, it kind of does mean that you're not sure about where you shot. I feel mm -hmm. so in that context, the what my feet are saying is so much more important than what anything else is saying, almost because the perception of the ground is somehow more stable. Right. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like our sense of flatness is what literally grounds us. If if we truly perceive if we were able to perceive the the curvature of the earth, like we'd be thinking too large, right? Like we would not we would not know our immediate environment. And um, Maybe that's, I feel like that's, that, that might be like a clue as to why, where there might be a separation between someone who's in, in flat earth and someone who's not, is that, and, and this goes with the, you know, with the reading and being out of your body thing as well. If you have to deal with a much larger context, like with, with just a much bigger scale, then suddenly the curve might become more important to focus on as a relevant context. Like when you're talking about the, the colors, right? Like most of the time, the actual hexadecimal color is not a relevant context. Unless um, you're a graphics programmer, then you right. care a lot suddenly. Like that yeah. does matter. <laughs> so uh, maybe if you're a surveyor, you know, or a something coordinating across mm -hmm. many, many miles, then the curve becomes important. But if you're an, if you're an individual human being and that's the most important thing, then it might make sense to ignore that. Yeah, and I think most pe and most people do, I think for what it's worth, but they ignore it in an unskeptical way. Like right. they they just assume what they've been told is true. Uh, and so now this is interesting. Well, do you, would you say then that maybe most people are actually effectively and practically flat earthers but then they vocalize the belief in a sphere spheroid earth <laughs> interesting i hadn't thought about this i think for most like for for all intents and purposes i would i would almost argue yes like i can't imagine anybody informing their world on a day-to-day -day basis from the fact that the world's a globe unless you are a sailor or you're a surveyor or it actually impacts the work that you do right i used to be in an artillery unit and i realized it was relevant there <laughs> <laughs> you, but you... i haven't had to do that in a long time <laughs> yeah that's why that, that is in a, a context in which it definitely does does matter changes some things but yeah i i think for m most people and this is what i find so interesting about the emotive qualities of the discourse around this like why why is why are people who believe in a globe earth so vocal about defending this theory when it has zero impact on them or the people they're arguing with so this is the other 
I guess, clue that I usually use more generally. It's that if you actually believed that you are somehow on the side of truth or that your beliefs are truth aligned, why would you? Like, why? Like, this is a general recurring question for me. Why would you try to convince someone else? Because、mm-hmm. the rest of reality should do it automatically. Totally. Yeah. And that's. The th- that's the same conclusion that I came to when I was starting to think about this problem. Like, all of the discussions I see are like flat earth people raising concerns that they consider valid and their opponents just dismissing them in very derisive ways. Like, they do not take this seriously at all. And I think like, the right answer would be to just ignore it. If you really believe that you're right, you wouldn't answer, you wouldn't. Give them the time of day because why would you? You're, you're, you're right.、They're, and these people are, to, in your perspective, they're so wrong that it's hard to change their mind. And you know that probably, but you do it anyways. So there's something else going on there. I definitely have some, some pet explanations, but perhaps we'll save that for another <laughs> episode. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting though. And I think that's what. That's what reinforces Flat Earther's belief system so much. Like it, it infuses this problem with a real emotion. Like it, it stops being a scientific debate and it starts being a bit of a crusade on both sides. Right. And that's sort of, there's this other thing in more widely in conflict that I've been like being like slapped in the face with repeatedly as I get older is that the quickest way to give something legitimacy is to be against it. Mm hmm. So, the, the very act of crusading against a flat earther guarantees that the flat er- a flat earther will stay a flat earther longer or be more likely to convert it to flat th- earth- earthism, even if they weren't really one before.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, by, by virtue of having this argument, you have at a minimum given a platform to it, right? Like now you've, you've had this discussion and people are. Unless it's like purely verbal and there's no written record, but most of this happens online where it lives forever.、Uh, like you can go look for any number of these arguments, there's an uncountable number of them. You've given credence to this idea that you are trying to discredit just by giving it airtime, which is a good thing for flat earth theory. Like it provides more, more amateur researchers, right? Like this create this at this. Increases the audience and the, the breadth of ideas、um, and the number of perspectives that are being introduced. And I think from that point of view as well, like the moment you introduce some unlikely constraint to like a, a system of thought, I think it does, it does produce a lot of novelty. So now I, I'm actually kind of inspired to follow in your footsteps and, and go check out more. Uh, flat Earth forums and stuff to see if they have any any unique cultural tidbits to to pull from. There's yeah, it's 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 interesting stuff. One of my favorite, one of the most interesting things that I like came to the conclusion about was、uh, like obviously the Columbus falling over the edge of the the world was that is a popular misconception. They were not actually worried about that. But even if they were, like if you were to Take a compass and navigate the globe going east to west, like in modern flat Earth maps, because the, the magnetic North Pole is 
uh, in the center, like you would just go around the circle. You would never notice that you're going in a circle because it's on such a scale that you'd be going in a straight line from your perspective. Um, and I am no physicist, so I'm not pretending to be an expert, but I think you can like a magnetic field that has the properties to, uh, to do that, I think is totally like, it's a reasonable thing to do or a reasonable thing to exist. It is no more weird than our current magnetic field, which is a North and South pole. Right. And I, I definitely don't understand that normally either. Another thing I simply take, take on, on faith. So it seems very plausible I, to me. I could be wrong about that too. I don't actually know. This is the, this is where the shortcomings come into play. Like a lot of this does require knowledge that is sometimes hard to obtain. And sometimes you come to wrong conclusions and like, that's, that's how science works, right? Like sometimes you're wrong. I, um, every single theory that we have right now is right enough. Like it, anything can be disproven at any given moment and it'll, it could upend everything. Right. I mean, to me, that's sort of how learning works, that everything will be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I think about everything I've, I've learned, um, the next thing I learn changes everything that was there before. And so in that sense, in that context, everything was wrong. <laughs> right. To right, me, right. it's important. Right. And... I think there's such a natural uh, tendency to shy away from those things. Like it's hard to change your mind. It is hard to, uh, well, it is hard to upend your belief system like that. Um, it's very painful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing to do, especially when it is so fundamental about the world around us. If you start from a, from believing that the earth is flat or believing that the earth is round, I think you have to be a really strong person to ever go to the other side because it just challenges so many assumptions about your knowledge. Yeah. It's definitely that that's almost that almost begs like a group of people who are willing to do that repeatedly <laughs> to themselves. <laughs> Jump back and forth. Yeah. Which I guess we're we're doing a, a very, very <laughs> light version of that with the steel man here, but mm. would definitely be interesting to see like I'm imagining a crazy dictatorship where you you take like a whole bunch of philosophers and you just pay <laughs> them to do this. And be like the only thing is you have to like sincerely change your mind, right? <laughs> and we will make you perform honest signals every year to see <laughs> how much money do you think it would cost to like sincerely change somebody's mind? Like how much money is it to actually do that? Do you think? I think it's whatever amount is necessary for them to stop worrying about money. <laughs> right. Like, however much it takes to not have to think very hard about anything ever again. Right. Um, but one of the other uh, things that I found, there was a, uh, a philosopher at um, a university in Canada. I think his name was something Dave. Ferrari. Anyways, he had this really interesting quote that I he he was he was a flat earther uh, as essentially a hoax. I think later on, after uh, in the '90s, I think he was part of a documentary program that was 
basically trying to sincerely prove flat earth theory in order to kind of prove how absurd it was. But he had, there's this really interesting quote that he had for his promotional brochure for his fake flat earth society. Um, it goes like this, all science, like all philosophy and all religion is ultimately metaphorical and reality is essentially mystical and poetical. He said this, and I don't, I genuinely don't know how, in, how sincere that was, because that sounds pretty sincere to me. Like, I would, I would buy that. Yeah, I mean the the first the first half especially like that that just seems un unshakable to me. <laughs> like I've I've never had a, a yeah, I don't think I've ever had a direct thought. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like science is metaphorical. It's not literal. When we're talking about gravity, we're not talking about gravity the thing. We're talking about a concept like it is a metaphor for something else that we under we know it's there, but we it's not like a real thing to us in, a, right. in the sense that we can grab it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like gravity is mystical, like it's, but it's so mundane to us. It's part of our everyday experience that we really take it for granted. It, yeah, it's the it's so mind-boggling to me that I, I don't even know how to think about it. <laughs> That's why we don't think about it. We. <laughs> We just run with it. We're like, yeah, gravity, it's there. Because it would be astonishing if we really reflected on everything around us. We would never get anything done. Like nothing would ever happen. So I I actually do a lot more of this every day now. And I guess maybe I don't get much done. I think doing (laughs) stuff is overrated for the record. uh, But I do spend a lot of, of my time uh, walking around the neighborhood, listening to birds, and just being like, "How does this work? Like, how am I existing? <laughs> what yeah. is this? <laughs> What's there's, going on here?" There's so much wonder in the world uh, that we just are trained not to look for because we're so busy doing doing things. For lack of a better way to put it, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're doing stuff. You're working. You're working out. You're eating. You're cooking all these mundane things, like even cooking, like how cool is cooking, right? Like that's so, we don't, I don't think anybody really understands how cooking works when they cook, but they know it works. Yeah. That's like one of those many everyday skills where very few people, I think like understand cooking well enough to get a robot to, to you know, program a robot to cook. I mean, my general standards for knowing things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet we do it and somehow it works. Like you just, you play basically. Yeah. And so, exactly. I, and, and something either comes out that you can put in your body <laughs> or, or it doesn't and your body rejects it. Or you've learned a lesson and you <laughs> know what not to do next time. Yeah. But there's so much beauty in the world. And I think if you really lean into a flat earth, like empirical schools of thought, you really learn to see more of it because you're looking, you're looking at the world with your senses as opposed to looking at all of these symbols that surround us, all of the like theory and knowledge that we've accumulated as a society. Like we know the earth is round. We know it circles around the sun, but like, just go look at the sun. It's cool. You don't necessarily have to like do any scientific experiments. I don't think that really matters, but it's there and you could if you wanted to and doing a science experiment is a good way to go look at the sun. I think that is a beautiful note to end on. 
if you do look directly at the sun, that might be dangerous. Well, to your maybe eyes. not at noon, but like I was thinking sunrise. You know, oh yeah, maybe, maybe sunset. Um, Only recommend each one's different. <laughs> I mean, if you want to look at the sun at noon, more power to you. I won't stop you. Agit proper. Agit proper.